0: Funny story, in 2018, I was pregnant with twins and Anna Brandt wanted to host a workshop here in Ottawa. I volunteered my studio and a bonus was that I was able to be photographed by my dream photographer in my own home, in my own studio. At the time, I remember asking Anna about starting a podcast and I asked if she could join me one time. She immediately said yes, so here we are today. Path to Business, the podcast. We are your hosts, Luke and Bethany Barrett. We're a husband and wife team building a legacy with our three children that we're so damn proud of. Full-time wedding photographer and videographer, operating a thriving six-figure business. We share all our best strategies from the lessons that we've learned along the way. Featuring other amazing businesses so you can genuinely get inspired. This This is your path to business. Now, for those of you who don't know, Anna Brandt is a professional maternity and newborn photographer in California. Anna is one of the most recognized maternity newborn photographer in the world. Her YouTube channel has over 20 million views and she has over 100,000 subscribers. She has three business Facebook pages and her personal page, which she's followed by over 400,000 people. Anna Brandt has been a professional photographer for over 18 years and a global educator for over 10 She is trained in 20 countries, and her student reach is well over 10,000 in-person training, and her online training is over 20,000 people. Anna Brandt has worked with several celebrities as well, including Alicia Silverstone, Sarah Drew, Kobe Bryant, and many others. Welcome the amazing Anna Brandt. I've had the pleasure of meeting you in person, not once, but twice. Definitely one of those dream come true moments. And I'm so happy to have you on here, but I really wanted to dive deep into getting to know, you know, a little bit more about you. And I think I've heard your story lots of times, but I want to really talk a little bit about before your business and, you know, what you did before. And so if you could share that with us, I'd love to just sort of see like how you got to be where you're at today. So you talk to me a little bit about what you did before your business?
1: So I was a web designer. So I was an amateur photographer for about 10 years, but I was, my day job was doing web design. When I ended up quitting, I was a web project manager, but I did web design and development for about five years.
0: And I know a little bit more about your story, but how did you kind of, like you were a photographer, was that sort of on the, t- on the side or... Tell me a little so, bit about that.
1: yeah, I mean, I, I started photography when I was a teenager, really, and just did it all through my 20s. I was Aunt Anna um, for like 10 years and would photograph my nieces and nephews. And I was just very happy being an amateur. Honestly, uh, I had a day job, but I really wasn't interested in p- pursuing photography full time. And then one day I just decided to quit my day job and I pursued photography full time. Literally, it's as simple as that. I mean, I, like I said, I had done it 10 years on the side and part time. Um, and then decided one day to go full time. Wow, kind
0: of like me, I actually quit on a whim to go full time. So somebody almost dared me and I just quit. Oh, <laughs> like what did you do later, before? I worked in the government. So very soul sucking, you know, very boring, yeah. mundane, yeah. the same thing every day. Mm. Um, no challenges, right? And you know that we all love a challenge. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, I liked my day job. I mean, I I loved doing web design and development. I liked being a project manager. I was designing teams. I liked it. And there was many days I did photography and web at the same time. And then when I decided to pursue it, I just didn't want to be bound to an office because I had transferred from New York to California and had to report to an office every day. And I had worked at home during the transition. And then when I realized that I wasn't going to be able to just kind of leave and go do photography when I wanted, I just decided, well, I'll just go do photography and just quit my day job.
0: amazing. Um, what was your, like, um, I know, I know you have kids as well. Like what, how was that? Was that all mingled in there as well?
1: Well, no, I didn't have kids when I went pro.
0: Oh, I didn't know that.
1: No, I did not have any children. I was newly married and no, I had no children. So okay. I just started, I had all the time in the world. Do you remember what it was
0: like, kind of your first, first, Full time day or like no? No,
1: no, (laughs) no, because I migrated into it. I mean, when I came from New York to California. I immediately enrolled in Golden West College in Huntington Beach, California, because I had been taking photography courses for about 10 years in various schools. And so I was used to doing that. I could develop in the darkroom. It was film. So that was one of the first things I did because I've always just been interested in the education process. So I had enrolled in the evening night program, but I was also horseback riding at the time. And so I was either horseback riding, and then I volunteered my time to the equestrian center, in Huntington Beach, which helped kids with special needs ride horses. So I worked, I worked by day with web design. And then at my evenings and weekends, I was either riding, helping special needs children ride horses, or developing film in the dark room. When I quit my day job, I was still pretty busy because I ended up doing photography for the special needs equestrian team and doing their newsletter and showcasing special needs kids how they can ride horses and then I ended up shooting child models on the side just received something in the mail about child models and I called the agency and asked if I could put an ad in their their literally flyer that came in the mail and they said it was like $25 to do that so I was like sure and then they said why don't you bring your portfolio down? We're interested in meeting with other photographers that we would refer our models to. Nice. And my portfolio was all nieces and nephews because that's what I had done for 10 years. And it was just a hand hand developed portfolio because I had taken so many courses. And at the time with film, you would carry around eight and a half by 11 or 11 by 14 portfolios of your printed work. Even though I had a website, I've had a website since I was 21 back in the day before social media, if you were to meet with someone, you would show up with a printed portfolio. So I went with my printed portfolio and they said, okay, we're going to put your business cards on the table. And when we sign a model, they will look at the table of sample of work. You can put a sample of your work and a business card, which had by website, and they choose you. And then because as a model, the agency says, okay, go get your headshots done and find a photographer. These are our referred photographers. So I was one of them. So I started shooting child models on the side. So one day I could shoot child models. The next minute I would be in the equestrian field. I was interested in maternity and newborn. And all of my husband's friends at the time were pregnant. So I would photograph them pregnant. So I was doing a little bit of everything. It was a very, it was years before I was considered full-time.
0: Amazing! I love that. I didn't know that you used to ride horses. I used to ride horses as well. That's probably why yeah. we connected so well. Did you yeah. always grow up riding horses?
1: Well, so I'm adopted and my adopted father rode horses in Argentina and we would go to horse camp and and born in New York. And I just loved horses. And I went, when I was 15, I went to a private school in New York that was, well, actually I went to a camp that was an equestrian camp for a week, which was just riding horses all week. And then they had a private school attached to it. So then I ended up going back to the private school and did a private academy that had the writing program. I did that for a year. And then when I ended up switching private schools into the private school that I went to in New Jersey, I ended up leaving my family in New York and that's the school I graduated from. And then I had friends. So I just told my parents I wanted to stay because it was a boarding school. I just wanted to stay in New Jersey. <laughs> and then I ended up just writing on my own. I mean, in my twenties, I you know could just go to the stables and I found a private riding instructor. I would do yoga, Pilates and ride. those were kind of my I hated the gym so those were my three things and I rode till I was pregnant with my son. in fact I was jumping when I was pregnant with my son. Maybe. I had to learned to jump here in California and then I was too nervous about jumping because I was a new jumper and yeah. being pregnant and that's kind of when I stopped riding and my youngest daughter now at 15 is jumping. and jumping yeah she's jumping really well and she's been riding gosh for six seven years now she's once a horse so yeah that's one of my
0: goals I want to get a pony for my kids and and let them start riding because I think there's so much value that can be learned Mm-hmm. or, you know, you, you can learn from being around horses, right? There's so much yeah. amazing energy that they give and uh, just the sort of feeling that you get, right? Like it, it's it's very, it, it's harder than it looks.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, we just sold out of our unicorn sessions that I'm doing for the first time in my career. And I'm super excited because my daughter's trainer has a pony. And oh. so she's like, yeah, just take the pony. And, and she trusts my daughter so much. The other day I was like, oh, I need to test. She's like, oh, whenever you're around, just come over and grab the pony and go. <laughs> (laughs) I was like, okay. I mean, I have no time. You know, once I started having kids, I just had to kind of not do it anymore. And my daughter asked me all the time, mom, why don't you ride again? I'm like, oh, I just don't, I just don't have the time right now. But she wants to get horses. So one day. Get
0: back into it one day with me. (laughs) (laughs) So talk to me a little bit about sort of, you know, was there a bark that got you really into your business? Like, I know we talked a little bit about the child modeling and things like that, but what was it like, okay, I'm going to do maternity and newborn, you know, this is my business. What, what, how did that happen?
1: I mean, you know, I'm adopted. And so I don't have any photos of myself as a newborn. I don't have any photos of my biological mother. And so I don't think it was a conscious choice, to be honest. I mean, at the time when I started, there was Ann Geddes who was out and I loved her maternity and newborn work. And I was, very drawn to that, um, you know, being adopted. I didn't show up with a photo album, you know, or or any photos. I don't have any photos of myself, so I. I was always gravitated to it. And when I knew I wanted to go pro, I just, I just said, I'm going to do maternity newborn. I mean, I wish I could go back and look at the defining moment when I decided <laughs> that, but there is none. Cause I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember. Um, I mean, I remember the day that I quit my job and why I quit my job, but it, And I knew I was going to just start with maternity and newborn, but there wasn't any, um, any epiphany. It just kind of, I feel like everything led me to that. And when I look back, I think, well, yeah, of course I was drawn to maternity and newborn because I'm adopted and I don't have those photos and I don't have that relationship with my biological mother or anything to draw from. So I think subconsciously, that's just what I was attracted to. Weddings didn't do it for me, even though I rode horses Uh, a horse, a queen photography didn't, didn't um, interest me. That's just always what I was drawn to. So when I went pro, I just said from day one, I'm just going to specialize in maternity and newborn. I didn't, I didn't really have a mentor or anybody that said, okay, Anna, sit down and write your business plan and what's your (laughs) subject and what's your, I didn't have any of that. I just said, I'm going to focus on maternity and newborn and I need models and I need to do model calls and I'm just going to go. And I just, Twenty years later, here
0: I am. And did you like? I guess I'm curious. What about when you opened a studio? Because you obviously must have just been like, okay, now I need a space to shoot. Or were you shooting in people's homes? I didn't.
1: I didn't open a studio until I was pregnant with Olivia four years later. Wow. So when I started, I was in a 1600 square foot condo and just started shooting. I had already been a natural light shooter, so I already for ten years shot anywhere and everywhere. So. When I started shooting child models, which was the first thing I started shooting in California, child models, you're told to not shoot in studio. They want to see more natural headshots. So children are photographed outside most of the time for for their first set of headshots. They'll do studio ones too, but the first set of headshots are usually natural light, shallow depth of field, focusing on the subject of the child. So I would photograph that in my living room, outside. Keep in mind, child models were six months of age and up. I mean, they were little. (laughs) Most of my child models were between six months and 18 months. Wow. So wow. I, had, I had some that were toddlers, but they were mostly very, I mean, this is California. They start young. Um, some of my child models have become celebrities. They're in movies now. They're like real celebrities. And so I, my favorite place to do was to shoot in my living room in my condo in Huntington Beach because I had a lot of natural light. Now, I shot all the time. I'm a true lover of photography. So on the weekends, it would be, I was at the beach all weekend long because I lived in New York all my life. So being in California was, the beach was exciting to me. Sunsets, sunrises, everything about palm trees. I mean, my first competitions were hand-colored palm trees and and beach (laughs) scenes. And so... I would shoot at the beach. When I started macro photography, it was photographing flowers, um, shoot child models. So I was completely just anywhere and everywhere. I had a used camera from eBay. I had no lights, no off camera flash, no diffusers, no reflectors. I had one camera and one lens. I couldn't even tell you what it was. (laughs) And I just grew. And then when I had my son, I had no intentions of leaving him. I had no intentions of having a studio. Wasn't even in my radar. It was, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing with my son because I didn't, it was my firstborn. I didn't want to leave him anywhere. Yes. Yeah. So I would just do a shoot when he was napping or I'd take him with me. I've done a million shoots with him in a stroller, or him strapped to my chest. And just, <laughs> he's, I mean, now he, he's, he's, an international filmmaker, and I—the I, only thing I could say is I was pregnant with him developing in the darkroom, and I didn't even and didn't even know I was pregnant with him. So he just kind of—I just decided I was going to do everything with him. And when I was pregnant with Olivia, we were in a house, and I was working in my house. I was working in the yard. I'd set up little gardens. I used to do gardening. I would make little sets. I had a little bridge. I had a little tree. I would. Go on location, do newborns. I would shoot anywhere and everywhere. I have, there's nowhere I haven't shot. If a client said they wanted a home shoot, I've done maternity bed rest in their bedrooms and tiny apartments. I've done newborns where I would literally just pack up a basket and some material because there was no props at the time. There were no bean bags. And, or if they said I want a maternity beach, I'd go to the beach. If they wanted something inside, I'd say you can come over to my house. I mean, there was. There wasn't, you know, now when I talk to photographers and I mentor photographers, they're they're always about the next thing. Oh, I need a studio. I need lights. I need a beanbag. None of that was in my head at the time. Because when I started, there was no social media. You didn't really know what anyone else was doing unless you met them, saw them in person or saw their work. There wasn't all the social stalking that you see now. So you didn't. <laughs> yeah. You didn't covet a lot of things. It was, it was, I kind of miss it because it was purely just the art of photography. I would spend nights at Barnes & Noble reading books. It was up to me to figure out posing. I mean, I had all of Ann Geddes's books. I had all of Ansel Adams' books because I love black and white film, but there wasn't a whole lot to say I need. And it wasn't until I was pregnant with Olivia in 2003, she was born. And I came to California in 1999. When I said, "Oh, I think I want a small space because I'm going to have two children under two, <laughs> and I don't have any space." And even then, when I got my first studio, it was only 500 square feet, and I paid 500 a month. And I had, there was a note on the door, or a sign on the door that said "by appointment only," and I would only go in when she was born. I would put Evan in preschool, morning preschool from like. to 12. I would go there, nurse her, put her down for a nap, do a shoot, finish by 12, get Evan from preschool, take them both home for a nap and be home the rest of the day.
0: Amazing. Just make it work, right? Like just make it happen and make it work.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Ava was born in 2005. So six years in the business, I went from a 500 square foot studio to a 2,500 square foot studio and hired a staff. And still brought Ava to work with me every day. And that was six years of schlepping my stuff, working at home, part-time, you know, everything revolved around nap time, feeding time. I wasn't traveling. I wasn't teaching. I was pretty much mom, you know, 24-7. And that was a solid six years of working before I made that jump.
0: Wow. I love that because I feel like there's so many, you know, that's kind of how I started my business. I literally started with my baby strapped to my back shooting newborn sessions, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But you do kind of, and I'm sure you can relate, like, or maybe you feel it in your own business, where everybody wants the newest thing, like the newest prop, mm. the newest material. I mean, and it's good if you're selling those things, I know. But you know, it. Um, I actually just sold a whole bunch of my stuff because I was like, you know what? Need more room for stuff. Whatever. I'm not using it anymore. I know you do that a lot. But I found that a lot of people were going crazy for this stuff. Like people, I, I don't know if if you get that too, but newborn stuff just goes like hotcakes. So I, talk to me a little bit about that. I'm curious. Like, do you find it hard to, like, I know you kind of are the trendsetter and that's what I feel anyways in in this space, but do you find it hard to kind of keep coming up with new things or is it just something that comes naturally to you or?
1: You know, I'm a big purger, So, you know, I grew up the youngest of five and my mom every year before we bought clothes for school, we would have like the largest yard sale in town. My parents have a home in upstate New York and seven acres. People would come far and wide to my mom's garage sale and we would have tables and tables and she would, purge constantly so much so that when I had kids before I bought new, I would always purge. And I'm still like that now. I mean, my kids know if they say, mom, I need school clothes. I'll just look at them. And in fact, my son just said it to me yesterday. He's like, mom, none of my, he's like six foot two and still growing. And he's like, mom, none of my clothes fit. And he was doing his own headshots in a studio he's building. And I guess he went to pull a suit out. He wanted a suit and he's like, mom, my suit doesn't fit me. And so, you know, I kind of, I have this look like he better have pulled out the things that didn't fit. And sure enough, I came home to a suit on the floor. Cause that's my rule. Just, I tell them, just throw it outside your room, I make a pile outside of your bedroom of stuff that doesn't fit and I'll donate it. Well, in my studio, my thing is I don't look at myself as a trend center, trend center only because I'm I'm not looking at myself that way, but I look at myself as somebody who gets bored very easily. If I've done something super creative, the minute I've done it, I've done it. So it's kind of boring. It's like the first time I used a dream catcher in the beginning, I didn't like it and this photographer made me one. And then I was like, Oh, I kind of like it. And then I had a hard time using it again. And so I'd post the image and then the next client's like, well, I want the dream catcher. And I was like, well, I, I can't do this every session. Yeah. This is going to drive me crazy. And I keep <laughs> my Instagram just can't be dream catchers. So then I had to force myself to change the dream catcher every single time. And then the, the person who made it for me was like, Oh, let me make some removable rings because she could see that I was, changing it up. And so then it was like, okay, let me buy different flowers. And, and even to this day, and I've been shooting this dream catcher for like five straight years, no two dream catchers are ever the same because I refuse to duplicate my own work. So if a client comes in and says, oh, I like that heart with that angle and it's a brown heart and a brown blanket, I will not use that same blanket again on that same angle. Or if I do, you won't see it on social. You just won't. My thing is I'm extremely type A. I'm a total Virgo. I'm a perfectionist. I don't like 99% of my own work. And the minute I'm shot it, I'm already bored. And so 20 years of shooting newborns, while I'm not bored with the newborn baby, because They fascinate me and I love babies since I was in the church nursery at 12. You're so good with them. So Um, good. (laughs) Well, I just I love them. I just had a I had a 10 day baby this morning and I just I just sat there and I was like, I just want to take them home. And and I have, (laughs) you know, over the weekend I shot seven newborns and people are like, and aren't you sick of newborns? How can you love them so much? I literally love them so much that each one is just like, oh, I just want to keep them so <laughs> but from an artistic perspective same with maternity it's boring like a woman will come in and be like oh, I like this bodysuit, and she'll pick that bodysuit. and I'm like okay well I, I did that bodysuit and I did that pose so now now I've got to find a different way to pose her because it's just It's all boring to me. Like, it's not the subject's not boring. My work is boring. I am trying to always look for new things purely 150% so I don't get bored, literally. So if someone sees it and copies it, I don't get offended. I'm not one of those photographers that are like, I came up with that idea of that rap or people get really territorial. Like, well, I was the first person. I'm like, I really don't care. I... You could take what I'm doing and copy exactly. I don't care because I'm already on to the next thing. I'm already five steps ahead of you because I've already bored. And so then I have to constantly purge because I don't like clutter. So if you follow me at all, I'm always purging, always selling. The only reason I have a clothing line is because I get bored. I wanted to get rid of my clothing company, Belly Babywear for about 10 years and I've had it 16 years because I'm just like, it's so much work and it's so stressful. And we ship to like 80 countries and everybody wants their gown yesterday and their order yesterday. It's very stressful. And some days I'm like, I don't want that stress of having a prop business, but then I go, well, I don't want to get my, my seamstresses because they can make whatever I think of. I don't even remember what your answer (laughs) question was, but I think, oh, I know what it was. I think that you know, and I mentor a lot and I teach a lot and I feel like I'll get new photographers in. They've got the latest camera, the best camera bag, you know, the latest and greatest. They've spent like five grand on, I don't even know what, but they don't know how to use their camera and they can't change their white balance without looking. And they don't know what focusing points they are. And I'm always like, use, first and foremost, learn how to use your camera with your eyes closed. You should be a photographer first. Second of all, it's not about the props; those are fun to have, um, but it's about creating your style and creating work that you're that excites you. I'm not so interested in what someone has. If someone has a new prop, I'll look at it. I'm not the first one to buy it. I'll think about it, sit on it, or maybe I'll buy it and it'll sit there unused for like two months before I can figure out what to do with it because I've got to get inspired. And so I, I encourage people to not necessarily covet what their neighbor has, but find a way to be inspired by what someone's doing, but then be inspired in a way that you can create it so that it's your own. I love that. I think that's so great because you know, I,
0: I feel like that, that rat race, right. Like to keep up, to keep up with the Joneses in a sense. And I feel like that's so true, you know, to do stuff that feels good for you. And that really is focusing on your photography first right and your clients right making them happy i think that's so important when it comes down to this business is having happy people happy clients and referrals and all that kind of stuff so
1: yeah for sure
0: has there been any challenges or pivots that you've had to make to make any changes in your business that you can sort of share
1: with us yeah i mean there's always challenges i mean it's been a solid 20 years i'm going in 21 years in the business and there isn't a mistake I haven't made. There isn't a stupid thing I haven't done, a stupid thing I haven't said. There, I've, I could write 500 books about all my challenges and mistakes. I think that you have to constantly be aware of trends that are happening, staying current, staying relevant. While I specialize in maternity and newborn, I love photographing children. And so I remember years ago, I didn't feel like, a lot of people were coming back with their toddlers. And I think it's because I was focused so much on maternity and newborn that people would come to me from maternity and newborn and spend a lot there, but then go to a cheaper f- photographer for the milestones. And I've had a baby plan, gosh, since I was pregnant with Liv and she'll be 18. So I've had a baby plan a long, a long time, time. <laughs> but I felt like my baby plan kind of got stale and I wasn't really doing exciting things. And I ended up doubling and tripling my baby plan pricing. And when I did that, I was like, okay, if no one signs up for my baby plan again, then I don't have to worry about it. But if they do, I'm going to be a little bit more creative and I'll be a little bit. More. So you have to invest in, you know, things for cake smashes. And I had to get get back on, you know, I had photographed children before I did newborns, but then I felt like I got stale at a point in my children's work. So I would go outside and do more colorful things with children and, and look for different things. Like even, even now this year, I wasn't going to do Easter minis because I felt like I was just kind of bored. I've done everything and I've done flowers and sets and Easter sets. And I just was like, I don't know. I don't even know if I want to do Easter minis. And then my clients kept emailing me, like, are you doing, I skipped right over Valentine's. They're like, are you doing Valentine's? And I just said, no, I just, nothing inspired me. So then I said, no Easter I'll do in spring. And I finally was like, okay, you know what? There are these gardens in Corona Del Mar. I've never shot there before. So I contacted the gardens and found out their private rates. And my clients are excited. They're like, oh, wow. We love those gardens. We've I can't even think of the name of them. I'm doing it in a couple of weeks. And here 20 years, I've never even, but I just started Googling gardens. Like maybe I go to a garden and and you know try something new. And then unicorns. I've never shot unicorns before. And whenever I get stale or bored, I'll go to stock photography and I'll Google random things. So I was Googling flowers, flower gardens for spring. And I don't even know a unicorn picture popped up and I was like, Hmm. And then I remember my daughter's trainer having these two ponies and I reached out to her and, and I was like, why have I never done unicorn sessions? And so my unicorn sessions sold out overnight. So I opened up two more dates And I think out of my three dates, I think I literally have one opening and (laughs) I haven't even test shot it yet. And it was like, huh, because I'm known for my maternity newborn, that's kind of easy to do. Keep up with the trends. If I find I'm getting stale in maternity, I'll just make new maternity gowns. If I find I'm getting stale in newborn, I'll come up with new sets, but I still love children and families and I have a lot of repeat business. Mm -hmm. So I have a lot of clients that'll. I kind of attribute it to my clients for any pivoting or challenging. I feel like my clients are the ones that they're the ones that'll, that'll force me to think outside of the box. Like, Hey Anna, we want to come back to you for spring. Like, are you going to have anything? And I know they're thinking, if you're not, we'll go find someone else, but we're coming to you first because we kind of want to go to you. Yeah. And so Valentine's day, I passed it up. I'm like, no, you're welcome to go find someone else. But then with spring, I was like, Oh, give me some time. Let me think about it. And so I think just, you have to kind of decide there's a lot of things I've let go over the years that I didn't want to do. Like um, I used to do product photography when the economy was booming, I did a lot of that. And I just don't really have any interest in that anymore. So I stopped doing that. And I've kind of passed it along to other people. Pets, I, I entertained for like a hot minute and realized my dogs never listen to me. <laughs> and I just have no talent for shooting pets or the patients. So I, I quickly took that off the menu. I mean, so it's like, I think that there are so many times where I'll try something and I'll go, okay, I'm going to try it. I'll even market it with pets. I came up with a name. I bought doggy tissue paper, bought stickers, like did a whole branding thing. Yeah. Lasted like a month. And I was like, (laughs) I get, get, like, get rid of it all. Like I want nothing to do with pet photography. It doesn't mean clients can't bring pets. It just means, nope, that's going off my menu. Another thing that comes to mind is when I started introducing digital packages, I included too many images You know, at first, first it was all that lasted three seconds. All, what is that? I don't even know what all is. All for one person is different for another person and quickly realized that there's no amount of money that's going to work for all the images. So that came off the menu and then it was 40 images. Oh, that's a lot. Now it's 25, then it's 15. So I would, I would just kind of, I'm a big believer in change. So if I do something, the minute I think, oh, that's, That's not profitable. That's not working. That's not beneficial. That doesn't make me feel good. I change it immediately. I don't wait a long time. I like immediately. (laughs) And I think I'll be doing that for the rest of my career. You have to constantly pivot. You know, I've done IPS since the beginning because we were film and you could only do IPS. So when I went to digital, my film clients were still my clients. So there was, there was no transition for me because I didn't know any different And then I only would do online proofing if the clients prepaid a digital package that included a set number of images. And if they didn't, they weren't going to see their images online. And that's still to this day. And then when COVID happened, uh, clients were like, shoot, I don't really want to come back in and, and order my photos. And so it was a very short time when we came back from quarantine that I said, okay, you can see them online that did not last very long. They they can only see them online if they've pre-purchased a certain amount. Otherwise, if you're buying session only, you have to come in person. And my clients come in person and some wear gloves and we sanitize and we clean and you know, we make sure they're comfortable, but it's that's just the way that I think works best for my business. So you you have to constantly pivot. You have I will have challenges for the rest of my career, but it's about making smart choices and acting on them sooner than later. The minute you make a mistake with a client, apologize, fix it, and then change it so that you don't have that problem next time. That's a good lesson.
0: I, I'm the same way.
1: you know things that happen my contract gets updated. <laughs> yes
0: daily. <laughs> you know okay, that's another change in the contract. You're gonna oh, have yes.
1: I say all the time that these are fluid. they are fluid. Your website, your contracts, they are easily adjustable. And people think like, oh, I finally did my website, finally did my about page, finally did my frequently asked questions in my contract and I'm done. I'm like, no, that's just the rough draft, 333 revision. No, there's no done. You're never done. No, no, not in this business, that's
0: for sure. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to me a little bit about um, your experience so far with everything that's going on in the world? Like, how has that changed your business? I don't know if you've talked about this very much, but I'm curious if that's really how that affected you or what that was like for you.
1: Yeah, I lost a lot of money last year because... Last year, I'll never forget, I was in February and I was in Puerto Rico. I had done training and brought my daughters with me and we were vacationing. And at two o'clock in the morning one night, I was like, you know, I'm going to get a head start of the year. I'm going to pay off every bill I have, every credit card bill I have, and pre-purchase the next six months of travel. Oh, no. Oh, yes. (laughs) I was going to Australia for my daughter's spring break, Sydney, Melbourne, and New Zealand. And we were going for 10 days. I prepaid everything. I was going to Japan for my other daughter's spring break, prepaid everything. I had, I think, six, seven international trips. I had a dozen domestic trips. I spent the entire night paying everything and prepaying Everything to the tune of six figures. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> and then 30 days later, the world crashed. So I'm still paying for it. And not trying. Yeah. <laughs> Every international trip was on hold. I spent six months fighting with banks, and my New Zealand hotel still never refunded my money. Don't ask me why they had closed the borders and they, they, were like, we're a non-refundable hotel. And I'm like, yeah, but I cannot get there. Never got that money back. Some, some things my bank, fortunately, Chase, good lesson learned. It's just better to just buy directly with your bank because then your credit cards, because your bank will actually save you. So, Fortunately for a lot of it, Chase saved me, but in a lot of situations, I lost money. Um, I have so much credit on airlines that every time I try to use it, it's so complicated that I'll probably never use it. So that was a big thing. We shut down our studio for two months because we had to. And so I have a lot to do. I train online. So I pivoted very quickly. When when we had to go in quarantine and we were at home, I never stopped. I immediately dived into my online courses. Since quarantine, I think I've written a dozen new courses. I ran a virtual summit. The first summit that I ran during quarantine, we had 6,000 people from 40 different countries, the belly baby summit. We were filming in the rain. Alex would come to my house with masks, stay six feet apart. I was, it was very traumatic and invigorating at the same time. I didn't think the world would be affected as it is now. So at the time it was like, Oh, 30 days. Let me just get everything done that I haven't been able to get done Yeah. So every day was like, oh, I'm running out of time because I have to rewrite this course and that course in film. And, and then I did my daughter's mermaids that changed my life. And there were so many, I was so busy that my clients were like, Anna, did you, <laughs> did you ever even like sleep in? I'm like, no, I was like still up at like 6am. And then I started to realize things are changing. And then I started to realize, uh oh, I don't even know if I'm, if I'm comfortable going back to work. And I was so terrified of getting sick, of getting a client sick. I remember when we were okay to come back to work, my first baby was going to be a two month baby. That was the first baby I had put on hold. And I was terrified because I had a lot of anxiety that I felt like the media had put on us and I stopped going to the grocery store and I stopped going anywhere. And I was so terrified of getting sick, getting a client sick, being sued for getting a client sick, the legalities, the litigiousness. So I only did like, you know, when we first came back, it was like the staff, we would just come back for one baby and we'd all go home. Yeah. And so it was like, okay, everyone come in, put your masks on. We're going to do this one shoe. And then we'd be out by like noon and home for the rest of the day. And I'd be, every day it was literally baby steps. Like, okay, that that wasn't so bad. And the client was great and the baby was great. And, and okay, you just go back to teaching online. And it came to the point where I actually really liked being at home. <laughs> you know, I was like, I kind of, I kind of didn't want to go anywhere. And my son even said that to me. It was like six months later. My kids did not leave the house Uh for like six months. And my son ended up telling me he had social anxiety because he went to like a drive-in movie this past fall. He went out to get food and he's like, mom, I couldn't wait to get back to my car. I realized that I had developed social anxiety. I was freaking, he was freaking out. And I finally, I still have anxiety. I mean, because I started traveling again domestically. I just came back from a trip this weekend and awesome. I did the most, yeah, I've done the most that I've done all year. I mean, I did Atlanta, Virginia beach and Kentucky, six planes in Friday night to Monday night, three and a half days. I almost canceled it like five times. Cause I was just parent. I was just so just nervous. Mm-hmm. And then each trip and just, being careful and being safe and just going straight to my hotel and washing 5,000 times and showering and changing clothes and being safe and and double masking and things like that. And, and it was a great trip. And I met great babies and, you know, photographed you know, and taught. And I think it's just day by day. I think we're in a different society. I will say my training in Asia helped because, you know, I first went to China five years ago and you could only wear masks. I remember. And so I am comfortable wearing a mask for a long time because in Asia, I would teach and wear a mask for eight, nine straight hours. And I remember last year before COVID happened going, I wonder why we don't wear masks here because I had a whole drawer of them. And I, I almost felt like, I made aprons for my baby clinics and I said, I feel like I should start wearing masks here. I feel like we should do that. I literally said that like two months before the world shut down and yeah, it's crazy. So I feel like in one way, I was prepared taking these shoes off, wearing yoga socks. I stopped being barefoot a long time ago. I used to be barefoot and stopped doing that. There was a lot of, I feel like I should write a book. Everything I learned, I learned (laughs) in Asia because there's a lot of things they did like putting your shoes at the door and putting on socks or slippers and wearing masks and wearing aprons and using chucks. And there's a lot of things that they did that we do now. So because I spent a lot of time in Asia, I think I felt more prepared than most. Mm -hmm. And even now with, with getting, uh, vaccinations, I don't have a problem doing that because I have an iron issue anyway. So I'm the first one to get pneumonia shots and flu shots, and I get all kinds of shots so that I don't get sick. So I, I feel like my health issues have kind of prepared me for that. So part of me it's almost like I just feel like everything in my life from being adopted to being abandoned by my birth mother to not having photos prepared me for specializing and appreciating maternity and newborn photography and my work in Asia prepared me for living in COVID and my travel around the world prepared me and being a mother has prepared me like I feel like you know, we go through all these steps in our life. And if we understand that it's a journey, that the good and the bad, the success and the failures, the things that didn't work out for me, the the things that I wanted really bad that I thought I needed weren't relevant. I think if we look at all of that as building blocks, it's preparing you for the work that you're supposed to do. That's just kind of how I have to live my life. I think it's great. I
0: I feel the same way with the masks. To be honest, I feel like it's something that we probably should have done a long time ago, you know, in our profession, maybe not the gloves or that kind of stuff, because yeah, it's just, it's, it's just too com- like It's too hard. Yeah. Right. With the little mm-hmm. babies. But I think the masks, you know, like uh, I don't know if your kids are in school, but our kids are in school here and like knock on wood, like they're not getting sick. Like my yeah. twins, my twins, my twins are at daycare yeah. and they're not getting sick, yeah. you know, which is kind of crazy. Right. So it just shows mm-hmm. to show you that their work right? And mm-hmm. it's not, they're not, you know, they're taking extra protocols and cleaning. So I think, mm-hmm. I think it's all, it's all good. It's, I, I don't see like the cleaning and the mask wearing as a, as a total bad thing, because I think it's better, especially in the type of work that we do, right? So yeah,
1: I think we needed it. I mean, my 15 year old the other day said, you know, mama, I haven't been sick in almost two years, not even a cold. Yeah. Now my middle one's been sick, but my, my little one, my youngest and my oldest, they're they're like, we haven't been sick, but Olivia, my middle one's always had allergies. And so she's always been our sickly one, but Ava's like mom. And she was the type of kid as all kids are, they get the cold every year, right? You get the flu every year, especially when they're in preschool. I mean, under five, they're sick, like a hundred times a year. And I, you know, when she said that the other day, I said, you know, yeah, I mean, I think that we just kept going and going and going and going. And we were all at the edges of our exhaustion and overworking and not taking precautions that it was kind of like the entire world shut down. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things I said in quarantine is when I was teaching online, is if you're healthy, this is a gift. You've been given the gift of time. Now, that's not to diminish the lives that have lost, no. you know, or the people that have passed on. Obviously, that's horrible. And anyone that's lost a loved one during COVID, just like you would lose a loved one during flu season or anything, it's 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 not, it's not okay. It's no. it's grief and it's obviously. But I feel like we always said we never have enough time and, and all of a sudden the world shut down and we had, right. And we had time. Yeah. And then the people that are strong now is the people that recognized the gift of time. Mm -hmm. Then there are people that have complained and have gone, you know, you know, (laughs) you know, Yeah. yeah. But some have risen up and some businesses are thriving and some people are better than they've ever been before. And some people had to pivot and some people had to have a rude awakening. And, you know, I wouldn't be here if my biological mother didn't toss me aside. And so you've got to just say for better or for worse, we're here because we needed to be here. Yeah. And how are we going to choose to live our lives in this new order, and how are we going to be the best that we can be?
0: I love it. So good. Do you have any highlights of your career? Like I asked for three. So but, many. Uh, <laughs> what are, if you could name the top three? Like I always describe it as the, you know, the movie Elf, where he kind of is like, I'm in love, and he's just like <laughs> dancing around. Like this is like one of those high five your, you know, your kids, your husband moment. Like yeah. you know, is yeah. any of those?
1: So many. I mean. First of all, being a mother is times three, is my kids are amazing. They're just every single one of them is in my life for their own reason. And so I think being a mother, especially being adopted, being a mother was the most important thing. And uh, the reason I've taught, brought my children all over the world is because when I started traveling, I didn't want to go without them. And so people would say, well, if you don't travel, you'd have so much more money. And I said, then, then I don't want to travel without them. And so I've taken them all around the world several times. So that's that's been obviously the first highlight would be my children. The other is just silly little things that I remember being in China and being in a room with 800 photographers and I was on stage and they were all asking me my opinion about things. And this (laughs) one guy, I'll never forget. him. He like raised his hand and he's like, Oh, I have this question I've been wanting to ask you. And I'll remember it like yesterday. And I was like, what? And he's like, how do you market? And I just looked at him and I was like, how do you market? I'm a, Puerto Rican girl from New York standing on a stage in China like I'm pretty sure I'm the only Puerto Rican newborn photographer that's been invited to speak in China how do you even know my name like how do you even know who I am like I remember that moment it was such a defining moment in my career and I got chills yeah, it was I I could be on that stage at this moment. And you know, my answer to him, how he knew me was video. And I say, you know, people want to hear you and see you um, and trust you. And that's how people know me is I was doing video. I started in 2008 before people were really doing video. I wasn't very good. And I, I frankly, my videos sucked <laughs> and I don't even know why I started doing video, but that was a, a huge defining point in my career. I think the other one was going to have dinner at Anne Geddes's house in New York city, such a huge moment that I don't even have a photo of it because when she invited me and she said, you can just come on your own, nobody oh. else. And I was freaking out in the taxi on the way there and, and calling my daughter, my middle child. And she's like, you got this mom. And I remember it was like literally a scene out of a movie and the elevator door is open and it's one of those apartments. She's actually not in that apartment anymore, but it's one of those apartments where you open the elevator into her apartment. Oh my God. So the door is open and I'm standing in Ann Geddes' living room. <laughs> I was so in awe that I put my phone down on her console table and did not pick it up until one o'clock in the morning that night. No photo, didn't ask for a selfie, nothing. And I kind of wish I did, <laughs> but it's okay that I didn't. I was so in the moment. They had a glass of wine for me and they knew I had food allergies as so they were aware of the food and they, they cooked a meal from scratch and I had to train the next morning and I I had to end the conversation at some point because I was like, literally I'll stay here till the sun rises, but I have to train in the morning. And I was so in the moment with her and her husband. This is a woman that I had bought every book she had every calendar. I had watched her work since I was 17 years of age and to be invited to a home cooked meal in her apartment in New York city. Wow. I will never forget that night. And it's almost better that I don't have a photo of it. Yeah. I'll never forget it.
0: I love it. I love that so much. Yeah. Like, just, that was
1: like what it was like meeting you, you know, that, oh, right? <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> you walked it, in my door it, and I was uh-huh. just like,
0: Oh my God.
1: <laughs> and, and you need to be in those moments, right. Where, where we meet people and, and I don't look at myself that with you. I mean, you invited me into your home and and I came and and we had a great time and I felt very comfortable with you and I I hope and felt the same with me. And I didn't want to be a fangirl with her. I just wanted to enjoy, you know, yeah. artist to artist. And, and I think that if I have any wish for anybody in their life is to just soak it in because, we don't know how long we're going to be here on earth. We really don't. We really don't. And someone asked me, you know, my last, we've been doing this, ask me anything thing live every couple of weeks. And someone said, what keeps you motivated? And I said, life, because I don't know if I'm going to be here tomorrow. This could be my last interview with anyone ever. And, and you don't know if you'll be interviewing someone tomorrow, right? And so I feel like if we've been given the gift of life and time, we need to enjoy these moments in our career. And I hope I have some more, aha, amazing, you know, if I get to meet Oprah or J-Lo, I can definitely die. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's on your goal now. You that's know some, uh, it's out there, it's out there. I'm just Manifest like, as long, as long as, I keep saying, as long as J-Lo's running around at a leotard, I'm, I'll still go. Um, you know, as long as Oprah has something to say, I'll still listen. Um, but, you know, both of those women, I don't even know how old Oprah is now, but both of those women have, you know, I know Oprah's never been married. JLo's on her third marriage. I don't even know, but both of those women have shown us that they can persevere through relationships, that they can persevere through racism and through challenges and through stigma of, of women leaders. And they're still, they're still going strong. Like they're not, they're not whittling down anytime soon. No. And that's just kind of the way I have to look at it with my life is, is I'm not whittling down any. Time soon.
0: Oh, I really hope that you get to meet them. I, I, I like. I want that for you. I feel like it's gonna happen. So
1: <laughs> even if I don't say hello, I just want to like see them from a distance. Oh
0: no, I think it'll be more. I think it'll be more. <laughs> and they'll probably be like, "Oh, I know who you are." You know? <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't know
1: about that, but we'll see.
0: Um. Okay. So, do you have any tips? I mean, I'm sure you give tips. You give sure. tips all the time, but tips for people who are interested in starting a business, like. Of course.
1: Yeah. I mean, you want, I know one of the questions you sent me was favorite tools that make your life easier. That's after tips that kind of goes in there. Like tips is like, okay, first tip, know your gear. That's like tip number one. Know your gear. Know whatever. I don't care what you're using. If you're using a used camera, I don't, I don't care what it is. Know Be confident in what you're using and know how to use it and use it well. And if you don't know something, learn how to do it. If you don't know how to use lighting and you want to learn lighting or off-camera flash or you don't know how to wrap or you don't, write it down. I don't know how to do this. Yeah. And then learn how to do it. That's like tip number one. Because I feel like I'll talk to people and I'll be like, why are you doing this? And they'll be like, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how to do it better. And I'm like, well, let's, let's, what's stopping you. (laughs) Yeah. Let's fix that. Let's fix that. So constantly learning to perfect your own work, your career, your business, just, just staying on it. And I think the other tip I have is consistency. Consistency in creating is you've got to be consistent, but people say this isn't working. It's because they're not consistent. They'll blog one minute, not blog the next do a podcast one minute, not do it the next, do a video one minute, not do it the next. They'll start a YouTube channel, post one video. And then they wonder whether YouTube channel is not growing. They'll do a mailing list and then they'll only send out one newsletter. But, but I don't send a newsletter because no one subscribes to my mailing list. Well, are you sending out any newsletters? And so it's like unique consistency. It's got to be the tumbleweed going down the hill. So it becomes a hay bale. It's got to be consistent. So, I've been sending newsletters for 20 years and they used to be typed on a computer and I'd go to Kinko's and snail mail them to people's homes. I mean, like just consistently, I, my YouTube channel, I have 54 million views. Why? Because I consistently would post. Did that mean they were great? No. Like I said, many of them sucked, but I would consistently do it. And so any career you've gotta be consistent. If you don't wanna blog, don't blog. Take the word blog off your website. It's better to not have the word blog in your menu and not have a blog that's outdated than blog. Do you know what I mean? Then yeah. not blog consistently Consistently is what I'm trying to say, is be consistent. And then the last thing is, I said is create, is people will say, well, no one's hiring me and I don't have any business and nobody's calling me. And that's because you're not creating. And then people will say, well, how do I create if no one's paying me? And I've done a lot of things that no one's paying me for. I will create, I will make new sets. I spent three hours yesterday with my creations club, not getting paid for my subject because I wanted to create something new for my members. And so it's like, there's a lot of things I do where maybe I'm not directly being handed a check for a session fee. So you've just got to keep creating because people will be attracted to those who are creating. I love that. that's my favorite. I, I think that that
0: is the most valuable thing to as especially as a creative that you know if people aren't booking you there's a, it's because you're not showing them that you're you know creating right So right. Right. I think that's so valuable. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to share? Other than that, I think like, how can people find you or follow you? I mean, if they're not already.
1: <laughs> I mean, you could just Google my name, Anna Brand. You can go to annabrandt.com one n. there's links to everything. I'd say, give yourself a break. I feel like, and give others a break. I was telling my assistant earlier today, I feel like this 2021 is the year of impatience. Like everybody's mm-hmm. impatient, like just, <laughs> hang on just breathe just i understand the world was put on hold and and things slowed down a little bit but uh, be patient be patient in your journey be patient in the process you'll get it if if you can't wrap a baby really well you will you're not going to spend the rest of your life not being able to wrap a baby if you're a newborn photographer and if if you can't get a particular pose you you will and 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 think of like when you're When your child, I say all the time to people, when they beat themselves up and they're like failing or they're not making enough money or they feel like a loser or they're not losing enough weight or they're not pretty enough or rich enough or whatever, fill in the blank, we're never satisfied what would you tell your child? And if you're not a parent, what would you tell somebody that you loved and you were supporting them when they came to you and and gave you all these, but dot, 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 you would say something encouraging. You wouldn't look at them and go, yeah, you're fat, you're ugly, you're broke. You wouldn't say that. You would go, no, you're, like amazing. And you're beautiful. And, and let me help you with that eating better, or let's go on a walk or let's sell our stuff and make some money. Let's have a yard sale, no money in the bank. Let's sell everything we're not using. Let's you would think of all the. you would think of everything you could to rise that person up. Right. If your child comes to you and says, Oh, I failed that test. I wasn't prepped. I, I wasn't prepared. Okay. Well, next time, let me help you. Let me study with you so that you're prepared next time. Or, Oh, I keep forgetting my lunch. Okay. Let's pack our lunch the night before you would you would think of something to cheer that person on right mm-hmm. we need to do that to ourselves we're so down on ourselves we wake up feeling like we're gonna fail we we beat ourselves up 24/7. And then we want to be successful. You've got to be your own champion. You've got to say, I got this. I'm amazing. And whenever I catch myself doing it, I'll be like, oh, I don't feel like it. Or I'm tired or I'm jet lagged or this baby's going to kick my ass. Alex, my videographer, we've been together now eight, nine years. He'll be like, "Anna, no, 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 no. You've got this. <laughs>
0: You snap got this.
1: Yeah, snap out of it. You're Anna Brand, you got this. And 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 my kids will do the same thing. If Ava's like, I'm not prepared for my test. She did this a couple of weeks ago. I was like, What? You're Ava Brand. Are you kidding? You're on the honors list. You're Ava. You got this. And I'll just be her champion. And then she'll be like, Mom, I got an A. I'm like, Yeah, because you're Ava. And she's like, Why well, did stay up till 2 a.m. studying? I'm like, because you're Ava. You know, and so I feel like. We have to surround ourselves with people that lift us up, not tear us down. So if that means pulling yourself away from the negative, if social media is dragging you down, then limit your time in social media. If negative people are dragging you down, then limit your time with them. Stay away from gossip, stay away from idle chit chat and surround yourself that people that surround yourself by people that lift you up. And that will come back to you tenfold. And just look at yourself in the mirror every day and say, we've got this. You can do this. I'm over here about to do a
0: happy dance because you just finished another episode of my podcast Path to Business, where we get to hear amazing stories of how wonderful people got started and hopefully one day we'll be able to share yours too. If you want more info, head on over to our show notes page where you'll find all the latest info about this episode and links to the guests on the show. You can also find the latest discount codes or freebies I've put together just for you. Also, I wanted to personally invite you to my private Facebook group where you can meet other like-minded entrepreneurs like yourself who are making waves in their business and want to help and inspire others to dream big. The links are waiting for you, so head on over to greyloftstudio.ca slash path to business.